everybody um, to another episode of the More Conversations podcast with the Andrew Young Center for Global Leadership. My name is Malik Wilson. I'm a senior at Morehouse College, and today we'll be talking with Lucas Helmer. He's the head A&R at StreamCut. He also has his own his own company, Lush Music Group, where he's worked with producers and artists such as Mulatto, Side Baby, TNT, um, Justin made it and much more. So without a further ado, Lucas. Black, I appreciate you for having me. No problem. Thank you for taking your time out for real to uh to talk with us. Not so definitely. I guess we can just hop right in for real. I just want to know like how did you get started in the music industry? Like tell us a little bit about yeah. you know when you started and what made you want to get started. I think I really got started in music. I grew up playing instruments, so my dad played clarinet and keys. Um, so music was kind of like always in our home. But growing up, um, I always just kind of explored and was always kind of like taking a liking to different artists and different styles of music. So from a young age, I was always kind of like digging on the Internet and trying to find new music to put my friends onto and things like that. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, my, some of my friends were making music and I just started to try to plug and play and figure out where I could help them further their careers. Um, and that's when I really started to, to really try to put together a plan of what might be possible to make this a career. And I've been full time working in music, I think, for the last five years now. OK, that's dope. So who did you start out with when you were first kind of starting? Like what was? Yeah. Was that? I started off working with uh, an artist from my hometown that I was managing. His name was Tyreek Shamir. Um, still a good friend of mine. But uh, we just were kind of like doing like local shows. Like I was also DJing parties and things like that in college. And I would kind of like bring him around and take him with me wherever I was going. And then um, I connected with another artist that I've worked pretty closely with, too, as well. His name was Brian Brown. He's from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and we would kind of do shows. We would like each month we would do a show, one in Nashville and then one in my hometown where I'm from um, and just try to like build off of each other's audiences and kind of cater or build off of what we were both doing. Um, and from there, that led to me building a relationship with a collective in Chattanooga called The House. I started working with an artist named YG Tut, managing him for a couple of years. Um, those are the, the two artists where I really started to first get my feet wet within the, the music industry. That's dope. So, like, when you were doing that process, did you, like, you didn't really have any prior experience. So, like, how how did you figure out, like, how to set up shows and things of that Man, nature? It was all trial and error. That, like, it wasn't a smooth process at all. Um, one thing I, I always tell people is um, I came from a small city. So, like, there and anyone that was working in music wasn't working in what I was interested in, which um kind of made it a bit more challenging but i also would tell people like i would never change that for anything because what it made me do or what it made me learn is how to do things on my own so a lot of things that i could have relied on other people for um i kind of just had to figure out along the way on my own um and so for for that i think i'm forever grateful that's dope so from that point forward when exactly well you're in Atlanta now. Yeah. When exactly did you move to Atlanta and 
how did that kind of shift your career in a sense? I think I moved to Atlanta fall of 2018 and um, really it was just for opportunity, right? Like um, I think I kind of like maximized where I was from and was looking for a new challenge. I had always known from a younger age that I wanted to move to Atlanta since I was younger. Um, I grew up playing basketball and soccer competitively. So like all of our bigger regional tournaments were in Atlanta. And so I kind of like grew familiar with the city from that and kind of like always um, knew that I wanted to move here. And then it just made sense um, after I graduated college and spent actually a couple more years in Tennessee after that. Um, I decided to, to move to Atlanta to try to pursue a career in music full time. At the time, though, when I moved here, I was still working. Um, it's crazy enough as like hospitality management. So I was working front desk at the Intercontinental in Buckhead. I wasn't in music full full time um, when, when I moved here. Gotcha. That's dope. So you, you, you mentioned that you um, went to college. Yeah. I guess from my experience, it's, it feels like, you know, trying to be on the business side of music is kind of, you know, it's, you can do it a, a bunch of different ways, but do you feel like going to college helped you um, in any parts of this? Or how do you feel like, if, if so, how do you feel like college helped you? Yeah, I feel like the one big thing, even maybe even a bit more so than even like the education that I actually received was like taught me like organization and structure and like how to manage multiple projects at one time. Like, I think that was like the biggest takeaway that I took from from college. And then networking too, like, like it taught me how to communicate with different people from different backgrounds. And I kind of took some of the skills that I learned there and kind of apply them to what I do now. Okay, cool. So let's get back to you. You, you said you were working part-time um, in the music industry. When did you kind of take your next step forward in terms of, you know, fully, working in the music industry and that's what you do. Yeah. Um, around the time that I moved to Atlanta, um, I was in the process of doing, we were doing a deal with an artist that I was managing with Sony. Um, and once that deal was completed, I started working with a couple of friends, one of which I had actually met on that trip, which is his name is Manny, who actually used to work with us here at the company too as well. Um, but we started doing a lot of like digital marketing and freelance PR for different artists. Um, so we were running like large Instagram accounts and running ads and kind of like artist campaigns through relevant cultural pages based on kind of like the artist demographic. Um, from there, I kind of brought what we were doing to Phil and Jason, who are the heads of StreamCut, and kind of just kind of gave them a rundown of like what we were doing and kind of did a bit of show and prove with them in terms of like proof of concept of what we were doing to help artists scale their brand and visibility. Um, and that kind of brought me into the company in more of an official role. Um, and then from there it was kind of like, Oh, like not only can you do this digital marketing stuff, but you also have a bit of knowledge in terms of like finding, finding new artists and helping culture and develop their talent though too as well and that kind of like is what brought me over from more of that side into the the a and r side 
Okay, and that's perfect that you mentioned that. I like to know exactly what is an ANR. A lot of people will hear the term ANR, but they one they don't really know what it means, and they don't really know what ANRs do. So, would you just tell people a little bit? Yeah, about I, I think you are the extension of an artist team, and it kind of like depends on where you're at in the process, right? Like some artists that we work with. Um, especially coming from a, a distribution company where you work with artists a bit younger or earlier on in their careers and you do it at a major label. But I think the biggest thing is your role in helping to develop sound um, in really all aspects of, of a young artist's career. Um, I think that your, your responsibility is to help them um, kind of like gain knowledge, help connect them with, other relevant artists, producers, songwriters, um, and teach them. The, the Another thing, though, too, I think is it's our responsibility to teach them the business side of music, though, too, as well. That's dope. Um, and I just, you know, I'm just clarifying for the audience so nobody's yeah. lost. What exactly is a distribution company and how does that differ from a label? Yeah, I think... Um, there's, this is a, it's a good question because I think a lot of times the lines are blurred too, though. Um, but for me, the the easiest way that I can personally describe it, I think, in terms of distribution versus a label, is I think distribution companies are typically um, our deals are for one usually shorter in length of term. Um, they're also just full of transparency. Though too, they usually involve a bit less money. But with that, we also usually have less rights in the music of the clients or artists that we're working with, too, as well. Typically, when you go into the major label system, um, you're usually giving up a bit more of your rights and ownership than you would be with a, a typical distribution company. Okay, that's dope. So with that, I guess... How do you know? How do you know what's for you as an artist? Like, um, when is the right time to decide whether to sign with a distribution company or independent or a label? I think it's all. To me, it's just a, a base off of like needs, right? Like, um, obviously, with with each agreement that you do, or the more people that you bring onto your team in those capacities, I think. The, the general understanding is nobody is going to be working with you for free. So you're going to be able, you're going to be giving up something in order to gain something. Um, and I think that that question is, it's, it's case by case a bit. Um, I think that for certain artists, I think it makes more sense to go directly to a major label, um, especially if, there are large amounts of money or capital that's needed to um, facilitate certain things at that immediate point in the time. Even if it's like my living situation is horrible, I need to get out of where I'm at. Um, you know, this amount of money is going to be life changing for me. It might be giving up a bit more, but at the same time, um, if I don't do this, I'm probably never going to be able to get out of the situation that I'm in. And then for some people though, too, um, there's always the long game, though, too, coming from an independent artist and whether you decide to partner with a distribution company or whether you decide to stay independent, I think is really your choice. 
Um, but I think the biggest thing is just kind of like assessing where you are currently at and then kind of like making your, your best decision or your next move based off of that. Okay. That's dope. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the artist and producer that you worked with over the last couple of years. And yeah. Yeah. Um, couple that I'm, I guess I'm most excited about was, or a couple of projects recently that I was pretty excited about were, so Mulatto, which is the project, um, I work primarily on her project, the Big Lotto EP, which I think is um, a project that for me helped define and take her from um, what a lot of people I think at the time still envisioned or looked at her as, as like uh, a child star or coming from reality TV, but I think she had fans and I think she had a broad audience even at the time, but I think a lot of them didn't know if they wanted to fully support her as um, an artist or if like, if she takes this serious enough to become an artist. And I think that project, which also had her, one of her largest records to date, um, Bitch from the South on it. I think that that for me was something that allowed or helped her kind of transition to um, a, a different level and trajectory of her career. Um, and then on the producer side, I work with TNT XD. I work with Taj Money. I work with Jetson Made a lot too as well. Um, TNT does a lot of production for Rod Wave, Polo G, Lil TJ. He's one of the larger guys on YouTube too as well, which is something that um, I would love to to get into more of the two as well in terms of on the, the producer side. So... I like, I like you to talk about that. A lot of people, when they hear about A&Rs, you know, they talk about the artists. But you've worked a lot with producers. How did you find that inclination to work with producers? And what is your day-to-day when um, dealing with producers and helping them get on major songs? I think what brought me into working with producers was, like, from working with artists, usually when you're, it depends on, on who you are. But for me, I found that I was like, when I was focusing on a single artist project, I was like spending all of my time listening to like a certain type of beat. I was working, looking to work with like certain type of collaborators. And then when I flipped and started doing a bit more with the producers, to me, it was a bit more fun because you have like a bit more wiggle room, like a producer can produce for anyone. Like, I can take one of my producers and we can go do a pop song. We can go do a rap song. We can go do an R&B song. We can go do a country song. Um, and for me, that challenge um, was like exciting for me. And it was also something where it's like I can learn about multiple genres versus me spending all of my time kind of catering to one artist. So that that for me personally is why I, I made that transition. And then remind me, what was the second part of the question that you asked me? I'm sorry. Um. What is the day-to-day process of of getting them placements and uh, helping yeah. them in their career? It's like a, I was going to say two-part, but it's really more than that. But I think a lot of it, though, is, for one, working with the artists that you're that are currently on your roster. So even though I do work with producers, I still have artist projects that I'm over, though, too, as well. And so I kind of, like, communicate with those artists, whether it's daily or every other day about kind of like, okay, this is where the process of where you're at with this project or with this song. 
um, what sounds are you looking for? Kind of like, how are you feeling at the moment and what are you trying to, to, to accomplish or where are you trying to take this? And so it's kind of making sure that the producers are servicing those guys. And then it's also staying in contact with my, um, I guess you could call them like industry relationships, which would be other A&Rs or other managers who also have their own rosters of artists and producers and working with them to either have our producers collaborate with them and strategically work or make beats for specific artist projects, or also if it's a A&R that has an artist roster, um, setting up sessions with their artists and trying to make sure that our producer calendars are pretty busy and they always have work. They're consistently working. That's the thing. That's the biggest thing for me. So with the artists and producers that you work with, you're in a unique position where you're able to kind of start with them, not at the bottom, but, you know, they're really just starting to get their feet wet. So what is the, can you just describe a little bit about the feeling of kind of watching them progress and like, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I think to, for me, I think that's in a lot of my friends and the people I resonate with the most. That's why like we get into this, right? Like, it's it's one thing to come in on an artist project that already has motion and and just kind of continue to add to that and help that grow. But I still think the most satisfying thing is taking somebody that you believed in early on and trusting your ear and helping um, elevate their career. Um, and I think that level of true development is something that's kind of become lost in A&R. But I think... Um, for me, that's that's what I always got into this for, though, is from starting with my friends and just trying to help them to where I'm at now. It's always been, um, you know, to try to, to help not only educate, but also develop younger artists um, and allow them to have fruitful careers, hopefully that last for many years. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the struggles of. Um, the A&R side, like what are some of the, the difficulties in the business that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis or in the past? Yeah, I think it's the same thing that I think a lot of people go through. Same thing with managers, but um, I mean, artists are people though too. So some days, you know, they, they're happy. Some days they're sad. Some days they're upset. They go through emotions too. And also just kind of like always remembering that even though we have goals and tasks to accomplish, but at the same time, they're people too. Um, and even though we have deadlines, they go through things as well and just trying to roll with the punches. Um, I think you're somewhat of like a psychologist. You're like a brother, sister, mom, or dad. You're, you're kind of like everything all in one for the artist. There's no set hours. They can hit you at any time, any day. And, um, you do your best to make sure that you're available for them and always catering to what they need. That's, that's super important. I think, I think the, the therapy aspect of, you know, the A&R or manager position sometimes goes um, unaccounted for. People don't really see that part of it. Uh, that being said, how do you how do you balance your um, mental health and things of, like that? Working long hours and having to deal with so many different personalities and people. 
on a day-to-day yeah, it's basis. Hard. It's something that I'm still trying to get better at. I try to um, take time for yourself when you can, or just like do activities with friends that can take your mind off of music. Like by nature, I think working in this and the hours that we work, a lot of my friends are, I would say like 95% of my friends are in the industry. And I think all of us, we try to do activities together where we get out and just do things that we all enjoy together, whether it's playing sports or um, even just going out to eat, but having conversations that are, that are outside of music, I think helps me a lot. Okay. So I want to touch on what are some of your goals going forward? Um, and where do you see yourself within the next couple years? I think going forward, I want to continue building the brand that I started Lush with my friends and kind of do a bit more on the executively producing artist project side. So I've been talking to some of my friends about that recently. Like I want to do more um, full artist projects versus like one off trying to play songs um, with artists. I think I, I would definitely love to to be more involved in that process if possible. Um, but I think long term, the the goal is to continue to help artists build artists and producers build and develop their careers and um, educate them. And I have this one goal that I really want to do is like go back to my hometown where I've never there. When I was growing up, there was nobody that ever told me that you could make a career living in the music industry. I would love to be able to provide opportunities or outlets for kids to understand that there are ways to make music or money in this industry without having to be an artist, whether it's on the publishing side, the management side, the public relations side, or just general administration side. Um, I would love to be able to do that. That's super dope. And I think that's a, a really great way to close out for real. Um, Lucas, again, I appreciate you for um, taking the time to talk with us and just kind of, you know, share with us your journey and process. Um Definitely. And with that, we'll close. Um, Thank you, guys. You just listened to uh, the More Conversations podcast with the Andrew Young Center for Global Leadership. And we'll catch you guys next time.